wouldn't just advise people to buy real estate to save money on taxes. I think it's just, it's a very, very good wealth building. I think it's one of the, the best, in my opinion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stealth Wealth podcast. Today, we have Natalia Itu, our business CPA, on with us today. And we're so excited to have her give us some insights on taxes and good like real estate investing strategies. Natalia, I'll let you take it from here. Just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, my name is Natalia. And by Korobkova Eaton for my CPA license purposes. I came from Russia about 25 years ago. So moved from Florida, used to live in Florida, moved from Florida to Colorado about, I would say about 12, 13 years ago. I just love the weather here. Um, another reason for my move was to sit for a CPA exam. At that time, I would say about 12 years ago, 14 years ago, the CPA candidates did not require to have master's degree to sit for APA exam. And as you might know that the license requirement is per state. So Colorado back then did not require to have a master's degree to sit for a CPA exam. And that's how I also became a CPA licensed in Colorado. So I'm loving living in Colorado. It's a beautiful state. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And what kind of drew you to where you always in the CPA business or what kind of drew you into that space, I guess, when you moved over here? Yeah, that's a very good question because I really never wanted to be an accountant. I, Because people say, oh, you must love numbers. You became a CPA. And I said, well, it's actually not really numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about logic. Accounting is logic. It's debits and credits. And if you debit one, one account, where does it go to the second? It's just, it's a very logical profession. When I lived in Russia, I came from just pretty much like ordinary Russian family and we didn't have money. And I asked my mom if I could become an attorney and she said, no, we don't have any money. I'll become a bookkeeper. I said, okay, great. I'll be a bookkeeper. And that, that's when I learned debits and credits. And then when I came to the United States, I said, now, first of all, I have to learn how to speak English. Well, since I already know debits and credits, I might just continue going to school for accounting. At least I already know debits and credits. And then, you know, graduated with a bachelor's degree in accounting in 2004. And then I said, I might as well sit for a CPA exam. And I worked for a couple of years for public accounting firms because I'm, I'm not a traditional accountant, like who's just accountants who love numbers and very precise and very introvert. I'm more like extrovert. I like I like big picture. So I think that's also a gift in, the, in the, some accountants because we cannot just advise you on this and now, but we can basically see and yeah, and then always enjoyed working for accounting firms and working with people. And I chose creating my own CPA firm about 10 years ago. So that's, I've always been in public accounting. That's awesome. And so you created the business 10 years ago. We were having a little conversation just, was it Monday, I think, going over your business and the success that you've had. So can you tell us a little bit more about Colorado Business CPA? Oh yeah, every I think I, I always choose the hardest way. And that's right sure that's also the easiest way, but no, yeah, it's been almost ten years. So I started I, I started with another CPA firm. I was a partner at another CPA firm, but it didn't really work out. And again, I separated myself from that CPA firm and I started my own in two thousand thirteen. 
Um, since then, we grew very significantly with a seven seven figure numbers. Multiple. We, our goal is to be a multiple seven figure number this year. So it's just hard work, learning from mistakes, learning and experiencing hustle more and get more clients and. It's just one client at a time. So it's the company has always been grown organically. I haven't purchased any businesses, any CPA firms. And I think that's the way we're just going to continue advertising, serving clients, getting referrals. And yeah, so it's been a very, it's been an interesting journey. And it's, I think it's a great profession to be. And I'm very happy. I love that you said that there was some failures along the way. I like have it set up on my phone where I have these reminders and they're just like <laughs> general reminders. And the one that I have for this week is failure is the seed for new adventure. And so every time that you're, you have that failure, you have a cr- chance to learn and grow from it. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with your experience being a partner in one firm and then branching mm-hmm. out and starting your own thing and learning along. There's bumps in the road, but you kept moving forward. Oh yeah, only way that's the only way we progress. Just learning and yeah, learning from yeah. our mistakes and just keep pushing. Yeah. yeah, if you're not failing, then you're not learning anything. So it's the only <laughs> way to grow. So I know in the CPA world, I mean, there's so many different clients out there, so many different spaces that you can kind of specialize in. Is there a specific niche that you and your guys' business? focuses in? Are you guys focusing on business owners, traditional, just individuals, real estate investors? Where are you guys trying to get that need? Yeah, people said, are you specializing in a particular niche? And I would say, we specialize in people's mindsets. If you are growth-oriented, abundance, have abundant mindset, then yeah, we would like to work with you. And mm-hmm. growth-oriented, you know, because again, we are intentionally growing our business and we want our business owners our clients also grow their businesses so our services the majority of those services basically fall in three different categories the first one is we offer that's what we actually love doing is we offer all-inclusive package for entrepreneurs and that's from businesses business owners and businesses from zero to about three million who just want to grow and they need not only compliance services, which is that intentional growth package we offer is basically it's a part of that as a compliance services, meaning accounting, we do accounting, bookkeeping, payroll, tax preparation, tax planning, quarterly meetings, but also advisory. Advisory, like for example, hey, I want to invest in real estate or I want to invest in whatever. I want to buy a business or I want to hire my children. I want to hire outside. Could you help me? to figure out what's the best way, what's the best strategy, not just only from like accounting standpoint and tax standpoint, but also from just the guidance. Like for example, one of my clients, just, I have I interviewed two attorneys and they're both great. I don't know which one should I hire. I said, hi, both of them. Now, and we had a conversation. It's like, why both of them? I said, well, first of all, if one attorney will not work out, you're going to be in the same place where you are now. But having two attorneys, you're competing, having a competition between them, and you actually having two steps forward. And if it doesn't work, one doesn't work out, then you at least one step back. And I said, and that will push you to be more focused on sales and marketing because you want to grow your firm. So I'm like, there shouldn't be no dilemmas. If you see great two candidates, just hire both of them. <laughs> so <laughs> something she didn't even think about, about what I do. If mm-hmm. I see great people, I'll hire them and I'll find work. <laughs> so many people think like it's either yes or no. And the world is so black and white and you either have one lawyer or the other lawyer. But to be able to offer services in this advisory type of role and thinking of 
solutions that are outside the box, you should hire both. I love that. That is just, I feel like not many people will say and advise that. And how do you combat if somebody says, well, that wouldn't that be twice as expensive? Like, why yeah. would I hire two? Yeah, it will be. Why was that you pay? But I said, still, I think, I still think it may make sense because, because you will be focusing on what, what you need to focus on growing your company. Now mm -hmm. you're yeah. under pressure. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. know what? <laughs> There's no comfort in growing business. Have yeah. You, you got to make those sales now. You got to grow. Oh, I'm going to have a cash flow issue. Probably. <laughs> That's why you need to start calling your, calling your prospects and start booking your creating the pipeline, start selling. Yep. Uh, yes. But if you want to be a multi-million dollar company, that's what you do. And you need mm -hmm. to work this process. And, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so those are, those are intentional growth package we offering. And the second is a strategic CFO package. This is more in depth and it's more expensive. A much more expensive package, but where we can help you to so usually for businesses from three million to about five million, even eight million. We can really help you to set up maybe key performance indicators for your company, budgeting, sales forecast, processes, systems and process. So we can help you with with a little bit more quick planning. You might already have your bookkeeper inside of the organization, but we will be reviewing your reports. We will perhaps obviously we'll review your reports. We'll do the tax planning, prepare tax returns. But this is for like more advanced. And the other advanced package we're working on, it's, would be, it's already called Visionary CEO. And this one is really like we are extended pop team. And it's basically we're just the leadership team that will help you to grow your business but it's more really in-depth of course we're offering tax plannings just for the tax planning alone we saved over four hundred forty-seven thousand dollars in taxes by by performing tax plannings in november and december so it's really like tax plannings it's not oh how much am i gonna owe it's about like how can i owe less yeah and you better have this tax planning pretty much the tax planning needs to be done anytime like January, perfect time to do 2023 tax planning because, hey, if you have children, put them on the payroll now. Don't be reactive. Mm -hmm. Start the tax planning in January. And then, yes, you, you mentioned about investors. Yes, we do work with real estate investors, real estate professionals, real estate investors. Um, we like preparing tax returns and also doing the tax plannings. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing. And one of the themes that I'm just hearing over and over again is that leadership and that support and that teaching aspect of it. So it really seems and that's what I've found with I've been through enough CPAs in my life already and fired most of them just because, yeah, they're the classic who just, you know, hey, here's my info, fill out my tax return. And then they don't know how to tax strategize and things like that. And I found that's one of the big things because I'm self-employed i'm a real estate professional i'm a real estate investor i've got other 1099 positions that i get paid as well so i've got enough self-employment income coming in so trying to minimize all of those mm -hmm. tax liabilities has been on my mind forever because last year was the first or 2021 was the first year i filed fully self-employed that tax hit was not fun <laughs> <laughs> all right have you filed your so, 2022 taxes not yet, not yet. But what I mean by that is, have you done the tax planning corp? Have you considered S corp? Yeah, so I did set up an S corp starting in the beginning of last year. So I did okay. that. So starting, yeah, fresh from that year, I was fully S corp and everything like that. So I've got that going. Right. Are you um, yeah, payroll? Make sure you have a payroll in your S corp. Yep. Yep. And, and you, now you you basically with being an S corporation owner, we pay less taxes. We pay less self. 
affect the social security earnings, which I'm pretty sure you're really excited about <laughs> getting the social security. The, but so I recommend business owners always have a, some type of retirement plan on the side because you, your social security benefits will be much less because you're basically you're paying less into the social security fund. So what you need to do, you need to have either like a full solo 401k if you have no employees, Solo 401k, SEP IRA, traditional IRA, Roth IRA has no effect on taxes and it's also limited based on your income. But always consider some type of retirement plans as a side, as a, that side to offset the that lack of lack of social security benefits. You will still be getting social security benefits, but the amount is just going to be. So you clearly know a lot about all of the different entity structures, S corps and LLCs and planning for retirements. I think that some of the listeners probably won't know what these mm -hmm. things are. So could you just define like different entity structures and then we could go into breaking down different retirement plans. But I think a like a foundational level of understanding some of the tax structure is understanding entity structure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for real estate investors, real estate investors, the best entity structure is an LLC, limited liability company. And if your bank will allow you to buy a property with an LLC, great. Why buy a property under the LLC? Like my friend who is a business attorney, she actually set up Wyoming LLCs for my properties. Wyoming LLC that also hosts Colorado LLCs because she said Wyoming has a great, great protection, which you probably need to invite a real estate attorney on your podcast next to talk about legal protection. But basically, yes, if you can purchase the properties under the limited liability companies, that's the best that's the best structure otherwise of course you can just buy it under your name make sure mm -hmm. you just have enough coverage like a insurance or rental property do not convert your properties do not convert your llc into corp or c corp because it's just it's a holding company and it just holds investment and it, it because it's not going to be subject to self-employment tax the net income from rental activities is going if any income is going to be a subject to regularly ordinary income ordinary income and again why i said if you're going to have net income is because in the first years of after you purchase the rental property obviously you might have you obviously you will have a mortgage interest and rental properties are now just going up and also you have to take depreciation expense you have to depreciate your rental properties because IRS will see it and say, oh, you didn't depreciate your properties? Too bad, just said. It's allowed or allowable. Whether you took depreciation deduction or not, we will, we will consider that you did take a depreciation deduction. So, And then you always want to like allocate land and land you don't depreciate land and then maybe 80% or whatever of that cost building. And if it's a residential property, that would be depreciated over 27 and a half years. So that's like non-cash expense. And then that would also be offsetting the net income from the property. So again, LLCs is the best structure. If you are the only owner, only one owner of the limited liability company, which is IRS sees that as a disregarded entity and the activities from those rental activities are going to be reported on Schedule E, of your individual tax returns okay corporations are great for active businesses for example ben said hey i'm a real estate professional i uh, this is my job i'm getting commissions i am actively involved in the business and this is my earned income so yes you're gonna you can have an mlc different LLC from your properties different LLC, and then convert that into the internet corp and that's how you can save money on self-employment tax because you would be subject to self-employment tax if oh. you have earned income. 
And with an S corp, with an S corp, if you were to do that in Ben's case, he can then W two himself as an employee of the S corp, correct? Correct. And then the business pays taxes, is but then his individual W two would already have the taxes deducted from it. Yeah, yeah. So go, going back to yeah, going back to like Ben's situation as a real estate professional, he's only we're talking about only his business, like where he receives commissions. So yes, he receives commissions, he has some expenses, he has income, he must pay himself a W-2 because he's employee of his own company. So that, yeah, the W-2, he pays Medicare, Social Security tax, he also pays income tax. He might just pay income tax on that W-2 income. What about the other portion? What about that net income or the distributions? If he, he obviously that portion, the second part of that, the net income from S-Corp is not gonna be subject to self-employment tax, 15.3% tax, but it will still be subject to income tax. And that income tax will actually, that income is gonna flow, like it says pass through, it's gonna pass to his, pass, will pass through to his individual return schedule E page two, and then he would have to pick it up as an income, ordinarily income and pay income tax. So what I always, always tell people, there are two options. First is pay estimated tax payments, quarterly estimated tax payments, just to cover that second half of net income, or like pretty much what I do, I have my W-2 income, but I max out my federal and state income tax withholdings with my W-2. Mm -hmm. So that way, because I know I got to cover the in net income from S Corp. Those yeah. are two options, pretty much. Yeah, those are two options, either pay estimated tax payments or pay just more taxes with your W-2. And then that net income, that that bottom half of the net income that's not W-2, is that the distribution that you would see on a K-1 or is that a totally separate? Very good question because people do confuse all the time. They said, oh, I don't think I want to, I don't want to pay more taxes. So I'm not going to just take money from my bank account. I said, well, that's wonderful now because you have money to pay taxes. Yeah. But basically the net income from the business in the distributions Net income from the business, that's an income income statement. Mm. Distributions, it's a balance sheet item. It's the movement mm. of cash. You're not paying taxes on the movement of cash. You're only paying taxes on the net income. If you have money in the bank and you didn't borrow that money, but they just showed up, that means you have business made money. You have net income. Let's say you have net income 50,000. Whether you take that $50,000 from the bank or not, you will pay tax on the 50,000 because that's the yeah. ending result. Mm -hmm. And oh, if I'm just gonna take 30, I'm gonna be paid taxes on 30. I'm like, nope, you're gonna be paid taxes on the 50,000. Okay. So that's how it works. And sometimes people say, oh, can I take the money? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you're gonna be paying taxes on <laughs> I've it. Had that. I've had that question. Yeah, I've had that question for my 60 acres. <laughs> couple of times but so another thing with the s corp and filing as an s corp i've gotten different answers from different cpas and people around in the space when do you think that it is appropriate for a self-employed person to file or flip it over from an s corp because i know it does add additional costs as far as filing management wise and things like that so do you have a set guideline that you use with your clients to say, hey, it's worth setting up an S-Corp now or just keeping it as an LLC and paying that income? To yeah, that like an income limit or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Very good question. Again, it's all individual choice. Sometimes people say, I just want to contribute more to Social Security. I'm fine. I don't want to bother with that. What I usually, again, what I usually, I look at the number, let's say it's 30, 40,000 in net income. 
okay, but I'm also asking, what do you want to be next year? Because just $30,000 for this year, and if you're going to make $30,000 next year and $30,000 next year, it might not worth it because it's just going to, you're going to break even yeah. through the through the tax savings. But then, you, like you said, you have to pay for payroll and you also have to pay to a CPA to prepare that form 1120S. So for $30,000, if I know it's a $30,000 just for this year, but you say I'm projecting, I think I'm going to make 100000 next year, I will say, yes, let's do it. I see you're a growth-minded person. You want to grow, stuff like that. If you say, you know what, I don't know, 30, 40, maybe next year, 30, 40, pretty much I'm all set. I'm just really, I'm pretty much the same. I'm making the same amount of money I've been making. Then I'll be like, yeah, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, probably not. But if you want to grow, yes. Even I'll convert your business. I'll help you to convert your business into an S corp, even when you make the thirty thousand dollars. And yeah, and also keep in mind, like what we have noticed now, that filing those forms twenty five fifty three. That's the one time you file a form. So first of all, you want to make sure you have a limited. I create an S corp if you're a sole proprietor. You have to have a limited liability entity. So you have to have a pretty much an LLC or Inc. But Inc. by default will be an S corp. No, Inc. by default was going to be a C Corp. You need to file a form 2553 to become an S Corp. But a LLC would be the very first option. Again, I always recommend start a C because then you either stay on Schedule C or convert that LLC into an S Corp when time is right. But always set up yourself as a, as a C. And yes, and then you just need to file a form 2553 to convert your LLC into an S Corp. And that's how your business will become an S Corp. And then you have to file a form 1120S. But now what I said, we have noticed that it's, it's kind of challenging to actually dealing with the IRS. Like what we have noticed, we have to send them several times forms. We have to attach that form with the tax return. We also even have to follow up. So you just mm-hmm. want to keep an eye, like when you file a timely S election, which means two and a half months since either inception of the business or uh, two and a half months for the year you want your S Corp to be effective, make sure you get your form, which usually it used to be 60 days within the 60 days, IRS will send you a letter saying, hey, congratulations, you had an S Corp, don't forget to pay yourself a reasonable salary. Just make sure, keep an eye on this form because if you don't get the form, resubmit, call the IRS, make sure you'll get that the 2553 form processed. Okay. And then what about C-Corp? C-Corps. C-Corps are a really bad idea to have real estate in the C-Corp <laughs> because first of all, you'll pay taxes on, on a corp level, on the corporation level. Then let's say you sell the property, you pay taxes on the corporate, you sell the property, you pay taxes. And then when you take the money, it's also considered contributions, which is considered a qualified dividends. So you'll be paying taxes. You'll be paying 50 plus percent in taxes if you have your properties in C-Corp. The only time C-Corp would be applicable, like if you have a foreign investors and like people without social security, people perhaps without green cards or residents. That's maybe that's one of the options for estate planning. Mm. Usually because for foreign individuals, their estate, estate exemption is much, much lower. So C-Corp is like really for larger scale Large companies with when, employees. Yeah, when the company, like we have, we do tax returns for some C-Corps. The, yeah, the companies that attract investors, fund, mm-hmm. that's the C-Corp. Yeah, small okay. businesses, moms and pops, family-owned <laughs> businesses, S-Corps, family-owned real estate mm-hmm. partnerships, mm-hmm. LLCs, either taxed as a, on the Schedule E or as a partnership form mm-hmm. 1065. 
That was another entity structure that I wanted to touch on too, is partnerships. I know that's very common in the real estate investing space where you form like a entity of a partnership with a person and you have to see a business attorney to get that set up and set up your articles of incorporation and the operating agreement and all of that good stuff. How do partnerships get taxed differently than the other entities that we've talked on? Partnerships. So partnerships, by the way, partnerships, you will file articles of organization, incorporation. That's a, it's a oh, organization. Okay. So partnerships are passed through entities. Just we'll see if you have a one member C, right? You will report their activities on schedule E. If you say two unrelated people, even sometimes spouses say, I know I could probably report my rental activities on Schedule E, but let's just have a separate partnership. So that LC with two members can be a partnership tax return. Mm -hmm. And so it's a 1065. So people file a form 1065. And then and then that income from the partnership is not taxed on the partnership level. It passes through K1, Schedule K1, to the owners and again goes back to the schedule e page two and the business the partners paying taxes on the individual form 1040. okay cool it's the same as s corps s corps are passed through entities but it's mainly for as i said it's mainly for actively involved self-employed business and then partnerships it could also you could also have a partnership for a business but again it defeats the purpose again because you basically going to be paying tax you're basically paying self-employment taxes see so, yeah i think we covered quite a lot there is there a nuance to or is there actually a legal or any sort of difference between a multi-person llc versus like a partnership agreement is there anything different there or is there a benefit to one or the other or Multi-person LLC versus partnership, a, it's the same yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, multi-person so LLC, it's a partners because you have multiple yeah. partners, multi-person, right? So it's basically, it's going to be an LLC, but it will, like, since you have, if you already have two more or more people, you know, in that LLC, it's a partnership, okay. and that's a form 1065, and then each partner will be issued a K1. Let's say one owner one owner maybe of that building is 80%, another one is 10%, another is 5%. So each owner would be just be getting a K1 and then will report his or her whatever share of income based on the percentage of ownership. So I want to transition from entity talk to a really scary subject, auditing. What kind of red flags are there that might pop up that you've seen in tax returns? Oh, this person's about to get audited. The IRS is coming to get them. And how do you help let people avoid that? Because I've heard, I haven't gone through it myself, but it is a horrible process to have to go through with the IRS. Yeah, it can be depending like how, yeah, I would say if you're operating your business and you're serious about operating your businesses, have a separate entities. Don't, don't run your business on Schedule C. Schedule C, that's where you basically your LC disregarded entity involved business. That's where you're going to report the activities. This is like a low hanging fruit. I've seen audits and pretty much 90% of the audits I've seen are Schedule C's because that's what our auditors understand. Most of them are prepared, like self-prepared, because as I said, I represented several clients in IRS audits and they came to me because they prepared their own tax returns. And then they came to me and I represented them. And then after that, they became my clients. So Schedule C, when people forget Schedule C, maybe like with a very low, like year after year, especially losses year after year, like you say, hey, I have subcontractors, but you forget to issue 1099s. Or when you have, let's say, 
construction people, they have, let's say you have a 300,000 gross revenue and a hundred and 200,000 in materials. And if I see like in under supplies, expenses under supplies, that's a red flag right there. There's a not supply, there's a materials, that's part of the cost of goods sold. So mm -hmm. it's, it's yeah, definitely a Schedule C. I've seen audits on Schedule E, like this person had about 14 rental properties, reported them on Schedule E, got audited because again, significant number of, uh, he has a significant number of rental properties. So mm -hmm. get out of those schedules, go to Schedule from Schedule C, if you're the only owner of the business, convert your business into an S-Corp. Sometimes I convert businesses like restaurant businesses who are not extremely profitable. The restaurants have very low margins. And we're like, okay, you haven't losses. Let's just get you an S-Corp just for that particular reason, not to save money, mm -hmm. <laughs> avoid or minimize that with a minimize audit risk. So Schedule C-Corp, if you have a rentals with your spouse, for example, just convert and put it in on 1065. It's going to be exactly the same effect for tax purposes, but for audit purposes, it's going to be different. Without the payroll, that could also trigger audit. Okay. But, yeah. I had another question that you said, and now I'm blanking <laughs> on what I was going to ask. Think of it, Alex. <laughs> I'll think of it. Then you think of a question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to switch it over a little bit more towards like the tax savings aspects of real estate as well because we do have a lot of real estate investor listeners and both of us are real estate investment or investors and we do always hear hey buy real estate it's one of the best tax savings that you'll that you can achieve can you just speak i'm sure i can name a few of them but can you just speak towards some of the tax strategies and some of the tax savings that you can get from owning rental properties yeah first of all first of all we got to look at are you a real estate professional or not? Because this is a this is a big deal. Because I am not, and then the, the, that's the first the first test. And of course, if you are not a real estate professional, and let's say you do have losses from real estate activities, and again, mainly they would be triggered by depreciation, the depreciation of the assets, or maybe auto, but depreciation mainly that's what would, like the interest expense and depreciation. And then let's say if somebody is making from 125,000 to 150,000, then you will not be able, like this is the phase out amount, but if you're making under $125,000 in income, you can deduct up to $25,000 in real estate losses. But if you're making more than 150,000, you're not gonna be able to deduct those losses in the current year. It's gonna be phased out. So these losses, will be carried forward until either you become a real estate professional, which we'll discuss shortly what that means, or you sell the property, because you sold the property, what the losses go. So either you sell the property, your income drops, right? Or your property starts making money, and then you can just offset that against the losses. So I think when we're talking about savings, it's mainly would be applicable for either people who are making under $125,000, or real estate professionals. And real estate professionals, obviously, it's people who work in the real estate, but they could have a 25 rental properties, but if they have a W-2 job for making half a million as a doctor, even though maybe this doctor is still managing 25 properties because he still spends more than 750 hours being a doctor, he's not, he cannot, he was not gonna pass the second part of the test. Yes, he has real estate, he's dealing with the real estate, but the hourly, like, his hourly he's involved more as a w-2 employee what is that test for re being a real estate professional 
Is yeah. it you have to be licensed? So like I'm a licensed mortgage loan originator. But you also work in a real estate. Right. And so 40, 40 hours or however many hours a week that I'm working is designated to working in real estate. So I, I consider guess. myself a real estate professional. You're a real estate professional, right? You're but if you're somebody who's a doctor who's working 70 hours a week and then you're putting 15, 20 hours into real estate, you have your license on the side. That's technically not considered a real well, estate. You're real estate prof but you'll be real estate, but you're still the hour of the test. You're not going to pass yeah. that. Yeah. So you that test be more than half of your daytime oh, job okay. could also be involved in real estate or real estate activities. So the, and okay. this is a big like for example, we I have a client and he's a banker. He and his wife had rental has rental have rental properties and we were not able to deduct his losses until she became a basically full time real estate professional. And then, mm -hmm. and then they were able to deduct to take those losses. Gotcha. So that's why it's it is it is it is could be lucrative. But that's again, that's for mainly for real estate professionals. You gotta be, you gotta work, really work in real estate. And of course, you know, they're through cost segregation, like depreciation expense, but it's through cost segregation. Cause you know, some items you might deduct right away, some items you might deduct seven years, five years, three mm -hmm. years, and then 27 and a half. So you speed up that expense through cost segregation and that can basically create losses. But again, yeah. to me, real estate, prof real estate is a very long term strategy. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like I've seen people, I've seen people literally like multi-millionaires and because they were just able to hold on the properties, their tenants paid off their mortgages and it's a very long-term strategy. I just advise people to buy real estate to save money on taxes. I think it's just, it's a very good wealth building, building tool. I think it's one of the best in my opinion. So yeah. not only are you a tax expert, but you also have some clout when it comes to real estate investing because you you have some properties of your own, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's my. I always ask myself, <laughs> why didn't I buy more? Why didn't I? That's my only. I'm like, it's not my regret. Of course, it's just it's still. I'll be buying more properties. I miss buying properties. <laughs> like last year, I invested a lot in the business, so I haven't yeah. bought any properties last year in 2022. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, should I get at least one property? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I have a three long, like a three rent a rental long term, long term mm -hmm. rental, and I work with a property manager. I just have no desire. To manage my properties, I just. I mean, I, of course, I, that's pretty much where my first my million, my first million in net worth came from real estate. But again, I'm not. I'm just not really involved much. I have a property manager. She finds me my tenants. She collects payments. She takes care of everything. And then yeah, then I have we have another property in Winter Park, which we use as an Airbnb. And now of course it's a ski season, so it's very busy, <laughs> and it's which is really good for me because I it's tax season for me so I'm not going anywhere anyway yeah and again yeah my my life partner and evolve we utilize in those if you like it you hate it I don't know uh -huh. <laughs> we are the ones who are basically helping us to book rentals yeah so that's always our intention on the podcast is to invite people that are knowledgeable understand niches like tax strategy and tax planning in your case but then also have this investor mind of like you you're saying that you wish you had done it more earlier you oh, wish yeah. you had more properties oh, yeah. do you see yourself getting more properties in the next year oh, what yeah. kind of properties do you want to go after let's get into some investment yeah. strategy with real estate because ben and i will go all in on that <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean it's okay i it's just okay so so we used to live in East Denver. So that's pretty much where my properties are DTC, Parker, North, Chardini Creek. I have a house in mm -hmm. Pony Creek. I, I, so then that's where we used to live. Now we live in Camp Carroll. 
area okay so i'm like maybe we should buy a couple of uh, condominiums or maybe i don't know house in that area since it's close mm -hmm. to us perhaps we will buy something in the mountains maybe in a couple of years or so like you know a steamboat i don't know keystone you tell me where's the good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 i'll tell you markets all day long i'll tell you markets where they invest uh-huh okay <laughs> but i'll tell everybody i always look it depends on your goals and what you're looking for with the real estate but the ones that you the long-term ones that you currently have were those all bought as investments or were those an old primary house of yours that you guys one was a primary out. house and two, one, two, yeah, two just for investments strictly. Just I bought it through strictly through investment, like two point something, two point eight maybe mortgage interest. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. I'm like my car payment is more than than this loan on the seven hundred almost seven hundred thousand dollar home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like a, some people joke. I'm a real estate hoarder. Like I would never, I don't sell properties. I just like why would I sell property? What am I gonna do with money? Really? What else are you gonna do with money? Just, yeah, just, just, pay capital gains tax on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. I don't know. I have, I invested in stocks. I invested in. I tell you, I bought Tesla, and pretty much 75, 80 percent of this values is gone. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back. I'm sitting on it. We'll see. Maybe mm -hmm. it'll come back. Yeah. Maybe not. But that's something that, again, something is just doesn't really depend on me. And these rental properties somewhat depends on me <laughs> and so i can tell that you're like an extremely hard-working professional you're very passionate about what you do because you're not going about taxes as i think a lot of typical cpos are of like the numbers and like making sure it's meticulously right you said you're a big picture visionary type of person what are some of your passions that are outside of your business and outside of real estate investing tell us a little bit about who you are natalia e2 oh thank you thank you so much again i just go back so i think the right the best write-offs are businesses too businesses are great investments build a business and that's where your tax savings are going to come and again you know the tax code is written to benefit business owners investors who am I? what i like to do outside i love nature we love we as i said we live in ken carroll close to the south valley park which is amazing i don't know if you've ever been there yeah. it's just an amazing area and i haven't really guided like my my of my life partner discovered this area he lived there he thought well, this is a really great area we enjoy the nature enjoy walking the dogs we have a baby and just to visit with the baby and just mm -hmm. living a busy life so the business nice. we work together as well so we love traveling we went to Europe a couple of years ago, went to like really extensively, I think I visited 10 countries or so, went to Caribbean, went to Hawaii, traveling a lot before, and then, so, we, and then we have baby, and now it's just like, we have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so so I guess hopefully the, next year we'll start traveling more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going off of what you were just saying, and yeah, it seems like you're building your business currently, you're building, possibly expanding more into the real estate space as well. Where do you see yourself heading? Are you always going to be active in your business or do, are you trying to move into more of, I guess, that like ownership role more so and not actively participating in the day-to-day -day or the active business life? That's a very good question. I still, I don't know how is it possible. I know even though some business trainers is, oh, you can just have a passive business. I think mm -hmm. people looking up, look up to you. You're a leader. You are the leader of the company. And I just... I don't know if it's really like possible to be completely 
oh, I'm just going to be part-time or people looking up to you. In fact, I don't even work from home. I'm in the office every day. I'm intentionally how I'm dressed. I'm intentionally about pretty much everything because I have a team of 11 people. We're hiring two more people. We basically, we have three times a week. We have meetings three times a week. We talk about our goals. We're talking about our KPI. I don't think it's happening. I don't think I will be a pastor, semi-involved person yeah. for at least next five years or so. That would be great, but I just, I don't know. Of course, we ha I have a leadership team. We have people who is in charge of accounting. I'm in charge of tax department. We have great people, but it's still like we really, really, we have a very intentional goal to grow our business by 2 million this year, which is very intentional. Very <laughs> <laughs> ambitious too. That's a very yeah. ambitious number. goal, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Hit that multi-seven figure number. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's like, I'm sure we, yeah, I'm sure we can do it. So it's awesome. Well, we are getting close to an hour. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but I will say your expertise is amazing. And it would be so awesome to have you on another episode in the future if you're open to it. Oh, I'm but sorry. on every episode, we go through five questions that we ask our guests. And first question I want to ask is, do you have a book that has changed your life, either with investing or with tax strategy or just a book in general that you would recommend to listeners to check out? Huh. That's very well, I throughout my life I read a lot of books. I do. My very first book, and I'm sure a lot of you book read that book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is oh god, that was like 15, 17 years ago, right? That's a classic. Yeah. Which we read a lot of my last, not my last book, but I read a book by Natalie Dawson. It's called This is it's that's the book, Natalie Dawson, a teamwork. Mm -hmm. So this was a really aha moment for me, how to hire people, how to develop people promote them. So Perfect. this is an amazing book. But again, this is a business book. I'm listening right now a book by Chris Chris Cron, I think. Limitless. Mm -hmm. you, you probably know yep. Chris. Yeah. It's on my list. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> It's on my list. I haven't read it yet. But I've read yeah, it I, I'm listening because you know with the baby, it's getting a little bit, a little bit difficult. So yeah, yeah. There's I'm constantly reading. Yeah, constantly reading. So what else awesome. am I having? Yeah. So the second question that we have is, what is one actionable item that you would recommend to somebody who is trying to start out and get to what you're doing or how to build something like yourself? I think just, first of all, have a goal and don't question that, right? Just say, okay, I want to buy my first rental property or I want to buy a house and just be very intentional, set the deadline. When do I want to get it done by? And okay, what needs to happen? Perhaps talk to the mortgage broker before like we were literally like 12 years ago i was not making money i was broke i had i was in debt my credit was not at the best and we started working with a mortgage person first and he helped us to improve our credit to improve our financial situation and that's when we bought our first home and the second home and just to talk to a mortgage broker like as soon as possible like okay my intention me, is me talk to exactly. me exactly alex yes talk to alex turner and say okay it help me to get to my goal within the next six months okay what's the plan how much money do i need to save what do i need to make right before you yeah. file your tax return, show it to CPA, show it to Alex <laughs> <laughs> what the tax return looks like and then how much you need to save. How, yeah, improve your mm -hmm. credit, pay off some debt. I'm not saying all debt, of course, some debt to see what's, what are the, and just always don't just, don't get discouraged. It just gets easier. And yeah, it's, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to summarize, make a goal with intention, 
make steps and timelines to achieve that goal and then reach out to people and have conversation that can help mm -hmm. you achieve the goal. That is the yeah. summary, I think, of your answer for that one. And then to yeah. transition into the third question, who is the most important person on your team, in your life, that makes your success? Who makes my success in the person who is the most important person in my life? I think we have a team. And I don't think I have one, the most important person. Like sometimes people ask me, so who's your who's your go-to person, your right hand in the mm -hmm. business? And I joke and I say, I'm actually octopus. I don't <laughs> have right hands. I have a team. We're like a team and I have my mom is helping us tremendously with the baby. My life partner is helping me with the, in the business as well as at home and Winter Park, Airbnb. My team here, we have a payroll, Christina, Tatiana is client onboarding, Cassandra is our leader for the accounting department, then Sarah, Lana, Megan, David, like we have <laughs> such a great team. Yeah. So, so I, I'm very lucky. Everybody, everybody's contribution counts. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important right there. It's having everybody in their right seat kind of thing and learning how to delegate. I think that's the key to your success. Yeah, you've learned how to delegate it out. You've learned how to put those people in the right spot. You know where to have them as to best serve the business, your personal life, everything like that. So I think that that's, My I think that's manager, a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, property yeah. manager. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the fourth question that we have is, what is your favorite area of investing and why? I think so far I've been successful in real estate. Like I was saying, like real estate, I have said I have over a million dollars in net worth in real estate cash flow, which again, I don't really count on it. I just, just send a little bit extra yeah. money to my loans and my business and a business. So those are two that's something that really somewhat depends on me too. That's why I said people need to have businesses, either small businesses on the side for tax write-offs or build something that you can, and then it's also, and then take the money, invest in real estate, and go play golf. Awesome. Yeah. And then the last question that we have for you is what's the best way to get in touch with you if people want to have conversations about tax strategy, investing, or any other number of things that we've talked about on the episode today? What is the best way to contact you? Oh, sure. It's at coloradobusinesscpa.com. And yeah, just mentioned this podcast and yeah, we'll have a meeting by you and my, myself or again, we have tax team, we have accounting team, some, somebody will have a meeting with you. Absolutely. And I will also plug you. I got connected with Natalia through TikTok. She <laughs> posts very good informational videos on TikTok and on Instagram. So be sure to follow her on Colorado Business CPA on TikTok and Instagram if you're into that. Otherwise, check out her website too. Yeah, I'm Natalia Diva. I should look at Natalia Tax Diva, I think. Tax Diva, yeah, Natalia Tax Diva. Okay, there right. you go. Yeah, we'll All right, sounds good, sounds good, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for tuning into the Stealth Wealth Podcast. You can find out more information in the show notes as well as find our contact information. Please feel free to reach out to either Ben or myself and let us know what you want to hear on the future episodes. As always, your continued support is much appreciated. So please leave us a review and hit that notification button to hear our next episode.